0: Welcome once again to Then There Were Two, a History of the World series. I'm Jeffrey Clark, being joined as always virtually by Lucas Mitzel. Lucas, I hope that you're ready for this episode because it's going to be an interesting one.
1: Oh, it definitely is because there was, I mean, not to say that there isn't legwork that's required with this, but there was a little bit more legwork required with this episode compared to 99% of our other episodes.
0: Okay, so today we are going to talk about the 1904 World Series. What happened in the 1904 World Series? Well, nothing, because there was no 1904 World Series, and it happened for no good reason. And the reasoning given was so shady and so not based in any logical reality that even the fans of 1904 could see what was going on. It all happened because the pennant winners in the National League The New York Giants had an owner named John Brush and a manager named John McGraw, and they were still referring to the American League as a minor league. So the bad blood between the National and American Leagues was not quite finished at this time. And even though everybody loves the 1903 World Series between Boston and Pittsburgh, by all accounts, it was such a rousing success. There were still some people... Uh, Namely, some people very influential in baseball who still did not respect the American League to the point where they thought that only winning the National League pennant was the ultimate goal. So, as a result of refusing to play the American League pennant winner, uh, there was no World Series in 1904. And again, you can thank John Brush and John McGraw for this happening.
1: And it's really such a shame, too, just you know, as, as we kind of look into um, what happened leading into that, because you had the perfect momentum going into that 1904 World Series because of the race in the American League literally coming down to the final day. You have uh, Yankee pitcher Jack Chesbro, who completed 48 of his 51 starts this year, won 41 games, which is just staggering in its own right. But ultimately, what we have is you know you really have the true birth of that Boston New York rivalry this year because you have a final day doubleheader. Boston had a half game lead going into that second day doubleheader, and they ended up losing it. Um, Jack Chesbro was dueling with Bill Deneen, who we'll be talking about a little bit later today, and Chesbro ended up choking it away launching a spitball past his catcher's head. Uh, the Boston catcher ended up scoring from third on the play. He, the uh, New, New York team loses, and Boston is would supposedly be back in this World Series if they played it.
0: Yeah, it's really a shame that we didn't get to see what the New York Giants could do because they had a pair of pitchers when it combined, 68 games. One of them is Christy Matthews, who won 33 games that year. And we'll get more into that uh, in our next episode. And then another pitcher by the name of Joe McGinnity was responsible for 35 of the wins. And again, it's just a, a shame that the Giants, or at least the players, or at least the people in charge of the Giants, refused to meet in this but you know what are you gonna do i would however like to read some of an open letter to baseball fans that john mcgraw wrote in response to i guess the public outcry that there wasn't going to be a world series uh in 1904 um it says the blame should rest on my shoulders not mr Brush's, for i and i alone am responsible for the club's actions mr Brush's only part in it is supporting me as he has always done. And it goes on to say, If the National League should see fit to play postseason games on the same plane as championship games and surround them with the same protection safeguards for square sports championship games, then and not till then will I ever take part in them. We are here and here to stay. We will defend the pennant in 1905 and hope to for many years. We are willing to be judged by our patrons and the supporters of honest sport. But he claims that... The players supported his decisions, but it was a lie. One of them anonymously said, We had a chance at a good bit of money, but what can we do? We must obey orders, and there you are. One Giants player, Mike Donlin, said, There was a sore bunch of ballplayers around the clubhouse when McGraw refused to stand for the postseason games. So, instead of a World Series, the New York Giants decided to play an exhibition at the Polo Grounds against the 1889 New York Giants, which was the last Giants club to win the pennant. Um, in late October, even though most players had gone home for the winter or done whatever, bard storming, just gone to wherever it was warm, uh, there was still hope for a World Series. John Brush sent a letter to National League President Harry Pulliam agreeing to let the Giants play a World Series against Boston the next spring if certain conditions were met. And long story short, the offer came too late for the 1904 season. And uh, John Brush was actually instrumental in... World Series, the history of the World Series going forward, but we will get into that in the next episode. But in the meantime, uh, we have decided to work around the fact that there was no 1904 World Series because Lucas has a tool that he likes to use on his blog, Confessions of a Sportscaster, whereas he is going to simulates the world series of 1904 the Webby world series between the new york giants and the boston americans and just tell me a little bit about this lucas about what it is you're doing
1: okay so i had actually done this about three years ago actually almost three years ago to the day which is really kind of weird um three years ago because a, a lot of what i do with the um the simulator, it's a what if sports where they have pretty much every historical champion from the four major North American leagues, plus college football and college basketball. Now, we've done on 90s youth life, we've gone back and done a few kind of simulated tournaments. You know, we did the um, 1994 postseason that didn't happen. I look forward to that episode in a couple of years, by the way. Um, We also did during, like right after the pandemic hit and we were looking for something to do, we did a 90s NBA tournament, and then we wanted to do a big 90s March Madness style tournament as well, and that got foiled by the uh, significant lack of teams that were available, which is really just a darn shame. But anyway, so... What this has is I can go through back through every baseball team. A lot of these going back into the nineteenth century, too. Like I'm pretty sure I could go back and I could play with the original um Cincinnati Reds, Red Stockings <coughs> franchise from way back in you know, the 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 OG era. But it you know it does go back into World Series time. So it's not I mean it it works. For what we need in that I can set up starting lineups and starting pitcher for each game and then the computer just kind of goes from there. So I have zero control over what happened once I actually clicked the play game button. And for full disclosure, I did not mess with the starting lineups in any capacity. I figured that you know I'm not familiar enough to know exactly what strategy, you know, John McGraw, for example, would have uh, done with his Giants ball club to be able to tweak starting lineups and batting order so what the simulator gave me is what we got. And so I did a best of nine simulation. We did the same three-four-two format that was used in the 1903 series, just based on this wasn't really formally codified at this point, but given the precedent that was set the year before, it seems like it makes sense to play it as if it were that. Now, when I did this three years ago, um, I simulated this because I wanted to do a tournament with every World Series champion and make sure that I could have representatives from every Major League franchise. And so I went through and I did the 1904 World Series three years ago. Now, I did not... Save box scores or anything. I just did a quick, okay, click simulator, record the score, record the pitchers of record, done. And I'm not sure how I would have felt about this because the uh, Boston Americans literally took a 4-0 series lead on the Giants, and then it all went to hell. The Giants reverse-sweeped them.
0: Okay, well, we'll get into all that. I should mention as a disclaimer for this, the... Simulator Lucas has, and he has told me this, is that uh, one flaw is that they tend to go based on recent baseball strategies as far as substitutions and things like that. And 1904, bullpens were not really used. You had guys throwing so many innings by today's standards. Um, again, bullpens were not really use because that's just the way it was at that point i mean the workhorse era was definitely here and continued for way after this so
1: the one spoiler i will make with this is that i do think with this the simulator did a good job of keeping this in the workhorse era now did was there some degree of bullpen usage yes but not as much as you would think there were over the course of the series the two teams combined to use 11 pitchers so
0: all right on that let us go into the 1904 series that never was between the defending world champion boston americans and the first new team to the fall classic the new york giants so lucas i'm gonna sit back take it away
1: sit back relax strap it down So we begin with Game 1. Based on the Giants' superior record, I gave them home field advantage, so Games 1 through 3 would be at the Polo Grounds, and then if necessary, Games 8 and 9 would be there as well. 4 through 7 would be in Boston. So in Game 1, you have the Americans getting out. They score two runs in the first, tack on two more in the second, including a uh, home run by catcher Lou Krieger. Uh, The Giants get one back in the bottom half of the second, but Cy Young is able to pretty much slam the door shut the rest of the way. Uh, Game one goes to the Boston Americans by a final score of four to one, despite four errors by their defense, which you know kind of carrying on from the theme in 1903. You know, you looked at the box scores, and there were a lot of errors that continued into 1904. Uh, Cy Young went the distance, allowed just one run on three hits. One walk, one strikeout, threw 103 pitches in the victory. Over on the other side, Christy Mathewson went the distance for the Giants, gave up four runs on eight hits, walked two, struck out one, the big blow being that uh, home run leading off the top of the second.
0: All right, so we got game one there. By the way, I should mention this. I'm looking at the Americans' lineup for 1904, the regular starting lineup. And they're all between the ages of 28 and 34. So you've got a very veteran-based Boston Americans team in the starting lineup. Compare that to the Giants, where they have a couple of guys in their mid-20s. So for the most part, uh, I mean, they're still veteran-laden for the most part, but very veteran-laden for the Americans here. Mm -hmm. And Cy Young is 37. And
1: definitely doesn't look it after Game 1. So we move on to Game 2. We go down in the uh, rotation. Bill Dineen getting the start in Game 2 for the Americans, going up against Joe McGinnity. And it is actually the Giants who get things going. Early McGinnity, helping his own cause, hits a two-run double in the bottom of the second to get the Giants their first lead of the series. The Americans get those runs back right away in the top of the third. Uh, Krieger doubling home a run for Boston in the fourth. That gives them the lead. They hold on and win 3-2. Bill Danine going the distance, two runs on six hits, couple walks, couple strikeouts, throws 110 pitches for the complete game. Uh, McGinnity in the loss gave up three runs, only one of them earned on nine hits, two walks, one strikeout.
0: All right, so already we've got the Americans with the upper hand on the Giants. I mean, granted, it's best at nine, but still off to a fine start.
1: Yeah, you have, I don't know if you want to call it early momentum from being called a minor league in this alternate universe. I don't know. And then it continues into the um, into game three, our final one at the Polo Grounds before we uh, switch venues, and Boston goes ahead and grabs three right away in the top of the first off of Dummy Taylor, who got the start for the Giants in this one, Uh, we had a two-base error. Just two batters into the game, and that just kind of ruins everything as Boston gets out to an early 3-0 lead for Jesse Tannehill before he even takes the mound. But the Giants are able to eventually work their way back. They get two in the fourth. They tie the game in the seventh. And then in the eighth, Frank Bowerman leads off the inning with a line drive solo homer to center. Uh, two runs single later in the inning provides all the insurance they would need. And Dummy Taylor finishes things off. The Giants are on the board. They beat the Americans 6-3 to three in Game 3. Taylor goes the distance, allows three unearned runs on eight hits, no walks, three strikeouts. Jesse Tannehill took the loss, eight innings, six runs on 13 hits, no walks, one strikeout.
0: All right, so the Giants are able to salvage a win at home before they have to head to Boston.
1: Yeah, and we, we avoid the parallels of the uh, reverse sweep here since the Giants were able to get one there. So we switch venues now to the Huntington Avenue grounds in Boston.
0: Now, Lucas, before we continue here, uh, you did mention in our last episode, I edited it out because I didn't think it was that relative to the the conversation we were having, but you did mention that the ballpark for the Americans, the Huntington Avenue Baseball Grounds, had some very strange dimensions. Uh, Can you just uh, tell me again what those were, if you're able
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. So, And what's nice with What If Sports is it actually gives you the dimensions of the entire ballpark. And you know, th- this is kind of the fun of the era of you're building ballparks in neighborhoods. And so you have to get everything to kind of conform to fit. So for the Huntington Avenue grounds, it's 350 feet to left. You know, not a, a little long, but not bad. Uh, 440 to the alley and left center. 530 to straightaway center. 329 to the alley and right and 280 down the right field line.
0: And you also mentioned in the last episode that Barry Bonds would have had way more home runs had he played in that era in his uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s self. But I digress. And I also said in the last episode in the conversation I cut out that I might have had a better chance at hitting home runs if I was a power hitter, which I was not when I played, but I digress.
1: Fair enough. So we move on to Game 4 from the Huntington Avenue grounds that we just talked about. Uh, The Giants got off to the early lead in the second, got an RBI single to grab the lead there. Giants tacked on three more in the fourth. Boston got one of those back in the bottom half of the inning, but then the Giants just poured it on, got two more in the fifth. That held up, although they did add an insurance run in the ninth. Um, And it's fun looking back through the um, play-by-play list here because what if sports will do, like, a plus-minus system of, like, good play, outstanding play, terrible play, and there's on this final insurance run in the ninth, there's, like, a plus-minus thing here. So we've got – let me double-check my uh, rosters here. So it was Hobie Ferris, the second baseman for Boston – must have made an outstanding play to field the ground ball, but made a bad throw to try to get the uh, second out of the inning at second base, and on that throwing error, uh, New York pitcher Christy Mathewson was able to score a run to help his own cause. The Giants ultimately win this game by a score of 7-1, to one. the aforementioned Mathewson allowing just one run over the course of the game on just four hits. He did walk four and only struck out two, but did enough to limit the damage. Over on the other side, Cy Young taking the loss in this one. He gave up seven runs, six earned on 12 hits, a couple walks, one strikeout, through 128 pitches in this
0: game. Very insane, but now we are deadlocked at 2-2. In most cases, we would say it's now a best-of-three series, but in this case, it's a best-of-five series.
1: Best-of-five, and interestingly enough here, too, with the way the series is structured, it's... New York now technically has home field advantage with this best-of-five because the next three are at the Huntington Avenue grounds. So we go into this game five. Uh, the Giants, once again, getting things going early. Uh, they score a run in the first. Add on a couple more in the third. Uh, Bill Deneen was starting for the uh, Americans. He ended up helping his own cause with an RBI double to get the Americans on the board. But New York in the 7th tacks on a couple of runs, adds one more in the 8th, and the Giants take a 3-2 series lead with a 6-1 victory here. Uh, Joe McGinnity once again going the distance, allows just the one run on five hits, three walks, a couple of strikeouts. Bill Deneen giving up six runs on ten hits going the distance for the Americans.
0: So, Boston... Having gone up to nothing, uh, taking a couple of games from the Giants of the pole Grounds, all of a sudden they can't buy a home win.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, a, a lot of advantage for road teams, and so you know go, going through this like a lot of the games. I mean, there, we've had some close ones, but nothing really out of the ordinary. And then this is where the simulator decided to get drunk, and I enjoy this so. We go into game six. We're still at the Huntington Avenue grounds. Boston desperately trying to get things turned back around. Uh, And Boston actually does get out to the early lead. They score two in the bottom of the second to get get the early advantage. The Giants cut that in half with one in the fifth. And then take the lead on a two-run triple in the sixth. That 3-2 to two lead holds up until the bottom of the ninth, when Buck Freeman hits a 2-out RBI single, ties the game. We end up going to extras. In the top of the 11th, we have uh, Boston pitcher Jesse Tannehill has come in in relief, and he boots a routine grounder that allows a run to score. Uh have another error later in the inning and then that ends up allowing a couple more runs to score. So the giants are leading six to three going into the bottom of the 11th hold up. Boston isn't done because you have a botched routine fly ball with two outs in the bottom of the 11th. That keeps things alive back to back singles, keep the carousel going first and third. So Boston's able to get it, cut it to one, but candy, LaChance flies out to left center to end the game Giants win Game 6 by a score of 6-5. to Boston scoring 5 runs on 18 hits in this game, by the way.
0: Very interesting, and also interesting, and I'm pretty sure the simulator would not account for this, even though it was typical of the era. I'm surprised that this game was not called on account of darkness, so I'm glad they were able to squeeze it in right before the sun went down, because we're talking about the era where night baseball is considered an impossibility at this point
1: pretend lights either that or they uh you know suspended due to darkness and picked it up the next day one of the two
0: well what happened uh as we'll find out in a few episodes uh, coming up here is that if a game was uh at a time it was called because of darkness i believe what would happen was they would just play the whole game over so uh i'm pretty sure this game would not count and again i think that's that was something that was typical of the era but again I digress. I know I'm saying that a lot, but... That's okay.
1: That's okay. So we, th- this was our first game that involved bullpens. Uh, Dummy Taylor for the Giants ended up going eight and two-thirds. He gave up three runs on 14 hits with one walk, no strikeouts. He finishes with a no decision. Billy Milligan ends up coming in and getting the... Uh, he comes in after the game is tied, gets the final out to uh, send it to extras. Uh, Joe McGinnity ends up coming in in relief and records the final out in the bottom of the 10th. And then you have the Giants taking the lead. Christy Mathewson comes on, throws 19 pitches in the 11th inning to record the save, which, yes, I know the uh, save was technically not a thing yet, but screw it, we're giving Christy Mathewson a save
0: sure why not you No, know, it's uh it's an old thing we can do what we want yeah it's not accurate as far as baseball history but you know, this is our podcast we do as we please
1: it's our podcast it's my time machine i do what i want
0: yeah all right so what's next we've got some very happy people go, uh, in new york right now
1: very much so as we go into um Game 7 at the Huntington Avenue grounds. The New York Giants have a chance to clinch it on the road. And if they don't, they've got a couple chances to uh, clinch back at home. So not uh, not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And so we go through this one. Uh, the Giants take the early lead. Uh, another error. Go figure. Ends up leading to a run in the top of the second. So the Giants hold on to that one nothing lead. For a while they end up scoring a run off of a leadoff walk, ground out, ground out, uh, misplayed ball for an error. The fourth one of, of the game for the Americans at this point. This is in the top of the sixth, and the Giants now lead two to nothing. Uh, the Americans get one run back in the bottom of the eighth to cut it to one. Billy Milligan comes on for the Giants in the bottom of the ninth to try to close it out. But two errors within the first three batters ends up resulting in tying the game. Another error gives the Americans the bases loaded with nobody out. And then we have uh, Krieger, the catcher, for uh, the Americans grounds into a 6-2-3 double play. Um, Patsy Doherty comes in to pinch hit for something like the third or fourth time in the series. He flies out to end the threat. And so we have free baseball. Cy Young comes in to uh, pitch in relief for the Americans. Bill Deneen went nine innings allowed, two runs. Neither of them earned on one hit, by the way. So Cy Young comes in and pretty much spends the entire rest of the game completely shutting the Giants down. But Boston can't really get much going on either. Uh, They leave the bases loaded in the 13th. They leave a couple guys on in the fourteenth. It takes until the bottom of inning seventeen when, by the way, at this point, um Dummy Taylor had gone eight innings for the Giants, and then they went a little bit in relief. Billy Milligan ended up blowing a save. Joe McGinnity came in, faced one guy. A couple innings from Christy Mathewson, three from Red Ames. Hooks Wiltsey is in in the uh comes in, in the sixteenth, or in the fifteenth rather, gets two um donuts on the board and then in the seventeenth issues two straight walks. And then uh Great Britain's own Hobie Ferris hits a walk-off single in the bottom of inning number 17. The Boston Americans beat the New York Giants three to two and stay alive.
0: And I know for a fact that continuing how long this was going on, this most certainly would have been called on account of darkness, uh, if this was going on in real life. But again this is our simulator, our podcast. Well, it's, it's your simulator. You're the one doing it. So all rules are out the window and the we can freeze time if we want to technically. So if we if really wanted to think about it, then maybe time just doesn't exist in this era. It's just daytime all the time as far as this simulator is concerned.
1: Time is a flat circle, Jeffrey.
0: Very philosophical where maybe we should uh, abandon this forum band, and just do a philosophical podcast, but no, I, I'm just kidding about that. No, but anyway, not. the series is going back to the polo grounds As crazy as it sounds, given how much the giants dominate in Boston.
1: Yeah. The, after winning uh four straight games there, you know, they've got two chances now to clinch at home, but you've got to worry now um, given how deep that last game went, uh, I've got Joe McGinnity starting Game 8 for the Giants with the idea being, yeah, I can go back to Christy Mathewson in Game 9 if I absolutely have to. Um, and because of the amount of pitchers that we ended up using for Boston because we had um, Bill Deneen start Game 7, I went down to Norwood Gibson to start uh, Game 8, having not pitched in the World Series to this point, but with Jesse Tannehill having struggled, I figured we'd go a different direction. And Gibson ends up rewarding that decision. He takes a no hitter into the ninth before uh Buck Freeman leads off the ninth inning for the Boston Americans with a single or no sorry i'm no' a i've I've got my teams mixed up. it's bill dolan who uh breaks up the no hit bid in the uh bottom of the ninth, leading things off for the uh giants they are unable to score we have our third straight extra inning game in the 1904 world series crazy really crazy like i said the simulator got drunk going into game six
0: by the way before you go any further can you just for consistency sake say what the dimensions are at the polo grounds at this point
1: for sure yeah, so this is uh, this is listed as Polo Grounds four, and I'm assuming it's you know things changed over the course of time, depending on how the neighborhood was set up and whims of owners and whatnot. So, at the at the Polo Grounds at this point in time, it was two eighty six to de- to straightaway left, four forty seven to the alley and left center, only four thirty three to straightaway, uh, four forty to the alley and right, and two fifty six down the right field line.
0: So you've got the alleys that are deeper than straightaway center field. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but and then again, we're just people looking back on almost 120 years ago. And I'm sure people 120 years ago would find a lot of crazy things about what's happening now.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure they would, they would probably look at all of these pitching changes and, and stuff and go, what are you doing?
0: And all the power hitting too. That wouldn't be uh too fond of a thing for them and all the shifting and all this other stuff that's going to be coming to baseball really soon. And they would probably not even recognize today's game.
1: Oh, absolutely not. So we are scoreless going into extra innings. Uh, Boston leaves a couple guys on in the 10th. They leave the bases loaded in the 11th. And then in the top of the 13th, Freddie Parent launches a solo homer to left that apparently barely clears the wall, so I'm assuming that was in that like that 286-some-odd range. So the Boston Americans finally break through with the first run of the game in the 13th inning. Giants get a leadoff single in the bottom half, but go fielder's choice, 3-6-3, double play. The Boston Americans win game eight in 13 innings by a final score of one to nothing. Cy Young throws four innings in relief to pick up his third win of the World Series. Uh, Billy Milligan taking the loss for the Giants. Joe McGinnity, by the way, threw 11 shutout innings, 133 pitches.
0: So, for the first and only time in World Series history, we get a game nine.
1: How about that?
0: How about that? Uh, I know Mel Allen is not on anybody's radar uh, right now at this point in history, but uh, still a nice little gesture to acknowledge him. I'm sure we'll be talking about him in future episodes. But in any event, we've got a game nine in the polo grounds between the pennant winners. And just to think that John Brushton liked like the American League because the New York Highlanders uh, were placed in... Uh, in his own backyard pretty much as an American League team and only minutes away from the pole grounds an attempt to drive the Giants out of business. But now he's probably thinking, uh, well, actually, I don't know what he's thinking because his team was one win away from winning the whole thing, and now they have a winner-take-all.
1: Mm-hmm. And so we go back. We are going to the Aces in this one. So Cy Young, despite having thrown uh, 12 innings in relief in the last two games, and I don't know what the day schedule would look like, but based on how they seem to do the 1903 World Series and given the fact that the whole four days rest thing is clearly overrated in the uh, early 20th century, screw it. Cy Young is going back to the mound for the winner-take-all game. He will be going up against Christy Mathewson.
0: Can't wait to see how the only game nine world series history uh, pans out. So Lucas don't keep me in suspense any further.
1: All right. So the, it takes the, the giants get seven hits in their first two innings. And it is that seventh hit that finally breaks them through Uh second baseman, Billy Gilbert with an RBI single gets the giants on the board. Sam Murtis. Tacks on another one in the third. Uh, Frank Borman drives home another run. It is 3-0 Giants after three. They tack on a fourth in uh, the bottom of inning number five. Gilbert again. And Bill Dolan with a home run leading off the bottom of the sixth. The Giants lead 5 to nothing after six innings. Uh, the Americans do get one on the board in the top of inning number eight, but that is it. Christy Mathewson goes the dif- distance, allows just one run on seven hits, walks one, strikes out one, throws 109 pitches to beat Cy Young, who allowed five runs on 18 hits. The New York Giants win game nine by a final score of five to one. And the 1904 New York Giants are your World Series champions.
0: Again, I was guess I was jumping the gun right there. Uh, suddenly, John Brush, does, does he feel uh, less threatened by the American League now, or does he just see it as revenge against the American League for uh, the playing a team, like, a pretty much a stone's throw away from him. He probably, he probably doesn't even care that they beat Bossy. He just cares that he beat the American League. Uh, probably, probably. probably thinks it's still a minor league even more so after this, even though the Americans gave the Giants a pretty good scare in the few games prior to this deciding game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like relief would be one of the emotions that he's feeling.
0: But Brush will have, like I said earlier in the episode, he will have a say, a major say, in how the World Series is going forward, even though there was not actually a 1904 World Series. But I think it just goes to show how much we were probably robbed, how much the public was robbed by his and John McGraw's refusal to play this 1904 World Series. And even though McGraw and Brush are both very fondly remembered in every other aspect of baseball history, uh, this is something that I don't think they'll ever live down, no matter how much time goes by.
1: Oh, probably not. And, you know, I I do want to say take the results of this simulation with a little bit of a grain of salt, because we had guys, you know, You had like Cy Young and other pitchers from Boston and Pittsburgh in the 1903 World Series striking guys out. There were a combined 23 strikeouts over nine games, according to the simulator here. Uh, By contrast, 46 walks. So take this with a little bit of a grain of salt, to be fair.
0: Okay, we'll do our best with that. But in any event, congratulations, John Brush. You have dealt a blow to your rival, Ben Johnson. And you should celebrate with cigars or brandy or whatever it is you happens to celebrate with uh, at that time. But that is it for our simulated 1904 World Series. Next time, we will go back to actual baseball being played, the 1905 World Series. Like I said before, one of the major characters in this episode will play, in fact, a a couple of people in this episode who are major players here will be major players in this next episode as well, both on and off the field. So until then, make sure you subscribe to us. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. For Lucas Mitzel, I'm Jeffrey Clark. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.